<laughs> a thunderous late night kaboom. Oh my gosh, I'm delirious. I can't, I've been, it's what, it's quite a night. Uh, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsors this week, Third Love, Ritual, and Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace. <laughs> yeah, they're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's going to have to deal with me talking about the 49ers going to the Super Bowl for the next two weeks Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I am so happy for you, and I just hope that if they win it two years later, you don't find out they cheated. Cause oh, because li- you're living that reality right now? They should be vacated. They should yeah. be. As a lifelong Astros fan, it's awful. So I'm very happy for you, and but also this is about me, and I feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You sort of made it about the Astros somehow, even though I made it about baseball. Even to though... you and football. Uh, but let's talk uh, about baseball and how sad I am. Uh, baseball is, is the it, soccer of football. <laughs> it is the soccer <laughs> of football. I don't know. I don't know how to parse that exactly, but oh my goodness, it, it, what a night! I'm uh, flying high. Uh, my son and I were jumping around the house. Uh, we destroyed the Packers, and we're going to the Super Bowl. So expect to hear a, a lot about that over the next two episodes as I get excited about the idea of going to the Super Bowl. Also, my wife. Wait, you're said, going to the Super Bowl? She she said, "Hey, if you want to go." I was like, honey, I just looked at the tickets for $4,000. And she's like, oh, well, if you can get tickets somehow, uh, you can go to Miami. <laughs> I was like, oh. And then I tweeted. I tweeted. Yeah, that's why I coughed to start the show. I, uh, I tweeted, hey, does anybody have tickets that they want to, you know, uh, corporate tickets they want to? Um, my friend that works at Google, I was like, yeah, any way you can get tickets? But I'm sure all of Google's going because they're in San Francisco. So I wouldn't. Anyway. Hey, hey Internet, help this poor kid out. He does yeah, help for, he's never played me. Cuphead in his Tesla before. <laughs> yeah. Help get him to the Super Send Bowl. Send me to the Super Bowl on my <laughs> Tesla. Uh, it's the worst. <laughs> we used to call that Dan handling on the Total Rad Show. Hey, we're not talking about the 49ers, although I could for hours because, my goodness, what a team. Uh, what a team and what selfless players. But uh, it, we're recording late tonight because that game, the NFC Championship game happened. But we have an awesome guest. We got, we got lots to talk about. There's tons of... Tons of news, big, big, big news this week to get to. There's games to talk about. And we have an awesome guest who was so kind to stay up late with us. He's on the East Coast. He's three hours later. And still, at midnight, here with us, dealing with me, going on and on about the 49ers. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for Dispensing Lessons in a Column. Because we have the author of the gaming advice column, The Joy Conjurer, over at Gamers with Jobs, one of my favorite websites. Richard Lovejoy joins us for the first time. Hello, Richard. Hey, guys. I'm so happy to be here. We are so happy to have you. I'm, I'm digging your column. It's such a cool concept, and you do it with such, uh, I think, uh, insight, and uh, you're so well-spoken in, in the column. I'm Thank uh, you. impressed. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that all you have to do is make a lot of mistakes yourself, and then, you know, you can help people. 
<laughs> they yeah, don't do no, the I'm, same thing. <laughs> I'm in the I'm in the do a lots of mistakes part uh, still, but <laughs> I hope to transcend and move next to the next part of the helping people part. Um, but yeah, where can people find that column? So that column is going to be on Gamers with Jobs uh, on the forums over there. If you just go to gamerswithjobs.com, it's a wonderful community. Uh, they they have a, a a podcast themselves, the Gamers with Jobs uh, conference call, which is great. Yep. Uh, but the people over on the forums are it is just a lovely and supportive, very mature corner of the internet. People are kind. They're they're open hearted. Uh, it's a good place. And uh, yeah, I strongly recommend checking it out. It's a really welcoming yeah. community. Uh, it was the first community of gamers that I really uh, got attached to. In fact, when World of Warcraft launched way back, whenever that was, I was in the Gamers with Jobs Guild on Blackhand at launch because I was such a big fan of uh, Gamers with Jobs community. It was, uh, I don't know, 19 diggity diggity six or whatever. I don't know what year it was, but it was, uh, 2010. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was not too long, long ago, back. right? <laughs> it seems like it, it was uh, wasn't that long ago, but it certainly was. Anyway, like I said, we got tons to get to. So let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Our own, I think, good-hearted community with uh, lots of wonderful people hangs out in that subreddit. So I encourage you to check it out if you like the show or if you want to talk about games. But my goodness, Richard, it is uh, a, a week chock full of really interesting news. I'm so curious. You are our guest so you get first pick of stories. What is your story of the week? So my story of the week is one that I almost hesitate to pick this particular story or rather series of stories. But I, I think it's useful to talk about because it, it, it gets at a lot of stuff uh, in the industry, uh, in the culture of gaming. And that's the story of the delays. We have a whole mess of delays that have been announced for uh, cyberpunk 2077 wait hold is... on that's good enough you can pause right there for a minute Ugh. what was that which one was delayed again uh, uh, christian <laughs> needs to flex for a second cyberpunk 2077 uh, <sighs> is delayed until 2077 <laughs> yeah yeah uh, uh sorry richard if you're not aware we we do uh, an annual predictions episode uh at the end of of 2019 oh, yeah. I, I am well aware of what is going yeah. on i've got the yeah. got the dl on the dlc predictions yeah yeah so christian is now uh basking in the glow of a uh a prediction that he nailed one of his bold predictions uh that cyberpunk 2077 when he mentioned it on our episode i scoffed saying hey that seems doesn't seem like something that will happen and now he's uh he's using your time richard <laughs> to gloat well, we have plenty of it because everything's been delayed. So don't worry about time, Jeff. We got time. We got time. Hey, are you looking to, forward to a game this year? Well, guess what? All of them are delayed. They're Even all, this show. all the games. Well, this we, is we actually... delayed the show by two hours tonight, yeah, so did. I get it. <laughs> this is actually one of the things, though. There are, as the bumper says so famously, too many games mm -hmm. uh, to begin yeah. with. So you gotta warn me. You're going to warn me if you're going to do that. Then I do... <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Um, yeah, I personally, as, uh, 
as a consumer and as somebody who respects the work of the uh, of the artists and the people working on this game, I don't mind a delay. I want right. the thing to come out when it's when it's ready. I, I I fear though that that you know there's a lot of competing interests here. You know, you have shareholders who want to hit particular uh, particular targets for particular quarters, and that's oftentimes at odds with what the reality of making a game with safe and comfortable labor conditions ends up being. And then you have PR that's going to have their own idea of when something should come out and how it can be spun uh, and, and best sold. And then how do you deal with, you know, you, when you think about it, all of these announcements to begin with are constructs. They're making a guess and nobody really knows how long the thing is going to take to, to finish being, being completed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Christian interrupted you in the middle of your, your litany of, of games that are being delayed. Cyberpunk 2077, of course, I would think the biggest of them, but also Marvel's Avengers has been delayed and Final Fantasy VII Remake. So two Square Enix games and the uh, CD Projekt Red game uh, are, are all have all been delayed this week. Uh, so all, you know, everybody that was all worried about April and May being a lot of games now, Welcome to September being a lot of games. Uh, Cyberpunk delayed to September 17th. Um, the Avengers game has been delayed to September, or is it September 4th, I think? Yeah, 4th. And Iron Man also. Uh, yeah, uh, the Iron Man VR game for PSVR, yeah. uh, which was coming out like in a week. It was yeah. coming out very soon. Uh, and the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake not delayed nearly as long, uh, March 3rd to April 10th. So about only about a month there uh, for PS4. I think they just wanted the press of getting a delay. You know, they're yeah. like, oh, everybody's yeah. delaying yeah. games. Cool. All the cool kids are doing it. We want to do it. So <laughs> it, it certainly seems to me, I, we'll get into all the stuff that you just raised, uh, Richard, I think smartly to talk about the industry as a whole. But just from a consumer perspective, it certainly seems like, all these September dates are pushing up against those new console releases. And we had, we had talked a lot about how there were all these games that were really kind of coming out in that period that was going to give a couple of months before console releases. And so, you know, this was the sort of the last swan song of a generation before a new generation was introduced. Now that's all compressed and these games are happening early to mid September. I'm assuming new consoles are November how do you feel, Richard, about that? Do you think that we will see these games used more? I mean, we've we've heard that PS5 and Xbox Series X will both have backwards compatibility as a major centerpiece of their function set. Do you think these games will be just backwards compatible, or do you think we'll see new versions of them happen, you know, within weeks of the original release on the new consoles? And how do you think that will play out? Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that they're in a lot of ways because it's going to be so close to when when the new consoles are gonna are gonna be releasing that they're. I think that they're gonna, especially with Cyberpunk. I think that they're accounting for that to a certain extent, and I, I, I would not be surprised. I don't think they're gonna get a new version, but you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get the ray tracing, right? <laughs> like that's gonna be. I hope so. Yeah, that would be I feel awesome. like you're gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna be playable on your on the on the PS4s uh, and uh, Xbox uh, X and the Xbox Ones of the world, but it's also gonna look and 
play better on the newer consoles. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 th- I think that they're probably accounting for that to a certain extent. Yeah. Christian, you know, we're all on the same page as Richard, as far as wanting the best game to be finished and in its best state. And I didn't, read through all of the press releases, but all of them are basically the exact same thing with different words saying, Hey, we need more time to polish. We want to make the best possible game we can boilerplate stuff, which isn't untrue, but also, you know, I think we all agree with that's, we would all prefer a delay rather than a game that needs to be patched or feels, uh, you know, broken when it's, when it's released. But I think the more interesting story is what we've been talking about, which is, What's this sort of mean strategically for a consumer, for where these games place in a in a year that doesn't happen every year when you get new hardware? So how do you parse all of that? I yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. sorry. Oh, I, I just I really like I, I like to align myself with um the people who you know, and this is probably I'm a little bit biased. I make things myself. I I, I do film, I do theater. And I think you, you want to give the, the, the creators a chance to create and you want to give them a chance to create, uh, with generosity. I think, I think it's really important for us as consumers to not hold this against the people making these, these games. They're, they're navigating a lot of things. Uh, they're navigating demands from on high. Uh, they're navigating our outrage. If we, if we put negativity, if we express frustration, like we might feel that that might be, you know, you might really want to, to get your hands on cyberpunk 2077 as soon as possible. But when you add to a chorus of, of disappointment and, and frustration that it's not coming when you're expecting it to come, then, then to what extent are we contributing to a culture where people get pressured to work insane hours and burn out of the industry? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's a better solution? Do you think, should there not be a announced release date? I mean, uh, that seems yeah. like an odd, <laughs> I mean, something that's unreasonable unre- really from a whole for a whole raft of reasons, um, most of them, you know, shareholder and corporate and and advertising. But is there a better solution to announcing a date and then changing the date? Yeah, I mean, it's not. Here's the th- like most things. There's not a one shot solution. There's a whole grab bag of reasons why things are the way they are. And some of that is late stage capitalism is a nightmare scape sometimes. Some of that is uh, uh, is our the the kind of collective outrage of, of of people who who get really upset about this stuff, and they're like that adds pressure, and that 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 kind of uh, you know that makes things a little more unstable. And you can't. I think there's a way where where people who cover games uh, can can cover this in a way that's that that is probably more fair and forgiving and kind of the people who are leaders in the space who are who are prominent public voices can be really like could kind of model the the right behavior and hopefully like we can make gradual cultural cultural changes as a kind of as a community that's interested in this medium and, and in general like want to prioritize supporting the people who do this work hmm. Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. Um, I want to start by pointing out there's an excellent article, an article I thought was excellent on Kotaku that's, uh, you know, 
from Friday, I think, from Jason Schreier. It's called Video Game Delays Cause More Crunch, which I think is an interesting perspective. And um, like most stuff Jason writes, I think is is very well written. Well, and also, so- you know, the CD Projekt Red team, which has previously gone on record saying, hey, we're, we're going to try to make sure there isn't crunch for Cyberpunk 2077, part of our new... Uh, moral structure for CD Projekt Red is to try to minimize crunch has gone on record and saying, Hey, this delay means we're doing crunch. Even despite our best intentions, that's what's happening. Uh, yeah. they're, during their direct uh, investor call, they, um, Adam, I can't pronounce his name cause it's Polish and I butcher it. Um, Adam K <laughs> said uh, to some degree, yes, to be honest, we try to limit crunch as much as possible. But it is the final stage. We try to be reasonable in this regard. But yes, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think that's, a, you know, it's, it's an important part of the puzzle when considering as well. We 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 want the best product and this, that, and the other. But I think for me, and then I, after I say this, I want to read something that someone sent me um, about this topic. But I think for me, the sticking point isn't, oh, I'm whining that I don't get the game when I thought I was going to get it or this, that, or the other. It's whether it's studios, developers, publishers, whatever it is, marketing, capitalism, trying to have their cake and eat it too, right? Where it's like this big splashy announcement where they're making that to hype me up, like a date reveal and cyberpunk, a game I'm excited for. I assume will be excellent as I'm replaying the Witcher three and all of that. So this is nothing to anyone at the studio or anything personal, but it's like the way the hype machine is building and using that as an example, when we had Keanu on stage and it was this cool thing and we got a date and we got a pre-order link and we got a pre-order link for the $250 thing that I hovered over a whole bunch. Like you get all that and it's, it's meant to, I'm exaggerating here, but it's meant to like you rush out and get the tattoo on your back. You call in sick at work, you know, like, all of that hype machine, capitalism, marketing stuff that I also fall into, um, you know, like becoming susceptible to, it build up, build up, build up. And then it's like a delay. And it's like, well, you know, we're, we're trying to do this thing. So, you know, don't, well, it, it, you can't, that's what frustrates me. It's this big thing that we're all supposed to get hyped about that they want to take advantage of and get interest-free loans with pre-orders or whatever it is. And then delay it and come out and be like, we're doing this for you. It's because of this. It's going to be this new thing. And I get it. I totally get it. But there's got to be a better way. And I don't know what it is, but that's the part that I personally find frustrating is this. Here it is, you know, flag in the sand. This is it. Ah, <clears throat> just kidding. Here's the new one. And it just feels weird. It feels weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, would it be better just to literally change the term and say, hey, we're, we're announcing our target date. Maybe. It's our, it's our target. I mean, I, I think that undermines the other part that you referenced, which is get excited and put your money down because, and, you know, you know, make your schedule. I think you're right about having their cake and eating it too, in the sense that they want, they want that date to be a big deal. And it isn't a lie. No one walks out right. on stage yeah. and says, we're putting it out on that date, knowing that they're not going to make that date. They right. fully walk back to high five. We got them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a nefarious <laughs> thing. It's, it's a, I think it's a genuine uh, realization at some point that, oh my gosh, we're not going to make that date. So I, I think saying, oh, it, just changing the term to target date is, I think, undermines a bit of that excitement. Yeah. And that's like one small solution. The other thing that I often think about, and this is kind of a hard thing to think about and kind of and wrestle with as a consumer, but I remember going back, going into Babbage's and 
the 90s and the price of video games was you know 59.99 which looks a lot like the price of video games today even though the currency has a different value and there's a certain point where one of the things i wonder about all of this is are we doing this this hype dance to get these big expensive pre-orders are we really missing that games might triple a games might just cost more than they do hmm. yeah that's a, i mean that's a hard one for me to advocate for right to say oh yeah. i i want to pay more for my games that the way the industry has remedied that fact is to add cost to other parts to sell dlc to sell you in-game things and not raise the price on the front but also it's a much more complicated discussion than I think we're prepared to have right now because (laughs) there's a lot of games that make a heck of a lot of money. So it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not, there are a lot of games that lose money and there are a lot of games that are probably more expensive than $60. A a unit would lead you to believe, but there are also games where $60 is making a lot, a lot of money. So, you know, it's hard to, I think it's hard to select out, for that and say hey it's these games are not expensive enough i have a hard I mean, time saying that out loud especially for major publisher games and i'm happy i i look forward to people proving me wrong but i feel like for major published games there's a business plan and no one is releasing it as a price point to lose money you know they might miss their target of how many they think they're going to sell but when they decide to develop the game and they have a cost the plan is to make money. So I don't think anyone looks at it like, well, we're not going to make money even if we ship 4 million of these. Well, let's make it anyway. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Susie, big publisher's not like, yeah, we're not going to make it anyway. Well, let's I mean, do it anyway. <laughs> there are, I mean, there are examples that we can point to where that is exactly the case where they say, hey, we're not going to make money unless we sell 8 million of these. And, you know, you see a game that's a, a pretty big hit. Like I think wasn't, one of the Tomb Raider reboot games. Right, uh, but they supposed- expect to make, to sell that. Like they well, might miss expectations. Right, but the expectation seems absurd. Well, that's just <laughs> bad business then. <laughs> yeah, no, it is bad business. Or, or the, you know, a better example is we're not going to make money selling the game, but if we get all those people into our ecosystem and they're now buying sure, well, right. fun hats for their characters, then we make money. So but I think, like I said, that's it's all a part of the business plan. Much that's all broader topic than just yes. release dates but uh it is an interesting an interesting thing to consider because i don't think anybody is particularly happy about what's going on which is sort of why i raised the question in the first place to you guys yeah. is i don't think the publisher uh, the developers certainly aren't happy to have to delay their game the publishers aren't happy about it the gamers aren't happy about it there's very nobody in this equation is super stoked that these dates get pushed and that they were excited to release a date and it never happened. So if nobody is happy, there must be a better way to do it. Right. Not necessarily. So I, <laughs> I tweeted out a, a silly joke uh, that was like, you know, defining video game release date as something that gets changed and um, it's public, but I don't, I didn't ask to quote this. So I'll just read it, but whatever. And then someone whose opinion I very much value replied an excellent series of replies on this topic. So it's just about video game releases. A huge amount of the shift comes from an aggressive, a huge amount of the shift comes from aggressive publisher setting a release date versus a development team. Quarterly earnings drive those dates. Most of the time as developers, our realistic timelines were changed to fit in a window only to have to push it multiple times. 
The other small percentage of the time, and I'm assuming in CD Projekt Red case, you've got a developer who is self-publishing and trying to make sure their product is the best possible expression of the experience they're trying to create. Oftentimes, you discover fun gameplay or great synergizing experiences late in development, but realize how great of an experience that would be for your players, and you need to do more of it. Also, games are a technical marvel, and sometimes you just need the engineering time to make them smoother, perform, fix bugs, etc. All things that are thankless tasks until you realize something that doesn't hit the mark, and then you are roasted by the consumers for not taking the time to do so. I think that's all very smart and kind of hits the nail on the head. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing with the necessity for a delay. And, you know, to talk to directly to Richard's point about a more holistic view of game development, there's, you know, you can really graph (laughs) very clearly, hey, we're going to put this game out in April. Oh, no, we need more time. Okay, how much time can we get? Well, we're not, you're getting until September 17th. Really? Okay. That's the latest we can possibly do it. Yeah. That's the latest we can possibly do it because X, Y, and Z is happening. New consoles or whatever, or other games, or we got to get it out before the holidays or whatever that, that stipulation is. I don't think anybody picked September 17th because they're like, you know what? That's exactly how many days it takes us to make this game perfect. (laughs) That's the latest possible date that this is all going to work from a <laughs> economic perspective. And then working backwards from that, you go, okay, everybody at our studio has to crunch to get September 17th happen, which is explicitly stated in this investor call where it's like, hey, this this push, this delay means we have our backs up against it, which means everybody here has to work and nobody gets time off and we're all working weekends and we're all working crazy hours and our lives are worse. Why? Because that's how games are made, and we have to get this game out by a certain date. It was great when it was going to be April, but it's not, and now it has to be the latest possible date it can be, and we're all screwed. So, you know, so it's a, remember, it's a remember the seventeenth of September. <laughs> yeah, I think we all will. It, it, <laughs> it is, and and from a gamer's perspective, from my perspective, you know, to talk about my own personal feelings. I'm really bummed, really bummed because April is a much more convenient time to play a game like this. September 17th is going to be every week before that and after that for three months is going to be a major (laughs) release, right? Cyberpunk is going to be a hundred hour game that I want to dive into. And April 16th would have been an awesome time to play that. You know, Uh, it would have been, it would have been great to have an Avengers come out in May. That sounds perfect. I'm like summer movie season of Marvel movies are coming out. I want to play an Avengers game, but I got to play through the Avengers game, September 4th, have a cyberpunk September 17th and worry about new consoles. And it is, it is inconvenient for me. It is not conducive (laughs) to enjoying these, getting the most out of these things. It's, it's bad all around. And that's, it's such a bummer, man. It's such a bummer. Yeah, it, it it's tough. I, I think the the good side of this, right? The the glass very full is. Are you ready for the too many games bumper, Jeff? Uh, um, yeah, I am now. The good the good part about all of this is that there's just simply too many games, and so it 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 works out, right? And it's like, yeah. you, do you know what you want to play Cyberpunk in April? You can April twenty twenty one. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. That's true. It'll still, <laughs> exactly. it'll still be there. Less expensive. Yeah, wait and yeah. play Witcher three. Four years after it comes out, it'll be great, man. Everybody's going to be watching the TV show anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, Keanu will star in the Netflix series about the game he's in, and you'll want to play it. We can all agree that the big winner here 
is Final Fantasy VII Remake because April 10th seems wide open to me. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say me for accurately predicting Cyberpunk's delay. I, I, would, never, I, was... I would never give you that. You know that. <laughs> uh, but I will give you the opportunity to tell me your story of the week, Christian. Jeff was right. All what? hail Jeff. What? Oh, Jeff, whoa. Jeff Stradamus is right, which is why I want to talk about Stadia. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sony will not be at E3 this year. Microsoft said, uh, we will, we will. But Sony, as Jeff so accurate, bow down to his great brilliance. Um, <laughs> Lots of predictions coming real true, real fast this year, Christian. Yeah, we're, we're, we are ruined for the rest of the year. We're, now, yeah, me. we're, uh, you know, we're uh, using up all our, our, our good stuff right away and nobody's going to remember it, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sony has said they're not going to be there at E3. Uh, rumors have kind of come out. It's they, because they're not happy with how the ESA is doing things, like a broad thing of like, oh, drama, drama. But also they haven't been there for a bit now. And it seems like the allure of new consoles was not enough to make them think that was a worthwhile way to spend their time and money. And instead, they're going to continue doing what they've been doing and and setting their own schedule and talking about things when they want to, how they want to. And there's the hot goss that like for the PS4, they will do a February Sony console direct thing where they unveil the PS5. But uh, yeah, Jeff, how does it feel to be so accurate? They're also evidently planning to attend quote hundreds of consumer events internationally. So they're doing a sweet world tour, you know, the road trip, the road trip in that PS5, not just uh, not just taking it to not just taking it to E3 here in Los Angeles. They're they're road tripping all over the place. So that, yeah. could, that could be good. Um, but also hot on the heels of that announcement. I mean, like hours after that big megaton drop of we're not going to E3, uh, their friend who still goes to the same bar was like, "We're still going to the bar. Uh, we'll be there. It'll be fun." You know, just because. Just because the cool karaoke kids aren't coming to the karaoke bar, we'll still be singing. Um, Microsoft is like, no, no, we're going. We're still going to. We're still going Which to E3. Weird though, right? Because they're like, we're going, and by going, we mean in our own theater next door. Adjacent, we'll be adjacent. <laughs> we'll be also there. Uh, no, I mean we're not dealing with the ESA at all. <laughs> no, why would we do that? But we are going to be in our building that our name, our <laughs> company's name is on, and uh, you know, showing off our new uh, Series X. <clears throat> Richard. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about this? Is this the death knell for E3? Is is uh, Sony? I mean, I feel like I, they've once, been once is a trend, two's a you know, you know, once a once is a fluke, two's a trend, three's a problem. I I think there's a there's a there's a degree to which like times are changing. The way that this stuff works is changing and evolving, and E3 is sort of a throwback at this point. Uh, it. They didn't. It didn't seem to me like it hurt them not to be there, and and uh, I think you know if there is drama there, that's you know there were a lot of issues with the last E three. There were uh, a lot of people who were doxxed inadvertently. <laughs> you know, like that's not a good thing. Yeah, I don't know anyone who had yeah. that happen to them, Richard. <laughs> you're talking to one of them right now, or Christian. Yeah, uh, and luckily Christian always uses a, a a fake name and fake address. He's like he's like the Batman. You know, you never can pin him down. But yeah, me, what are you going to do? Me, I'm an open book. And so the ESA is like, hey, guess where Jeff lives? Below Wayne Manor. I also got phone calls after that. I, I literally got phone calls from people uh, after my information hit oh the Oh, my web. God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had yeah, to go through no, that. I mean, but that's also like funny. 
that makes me like like as an 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 empathetic person that makes me incredibly like frustrated and angry on your behalf and it was and that's that's that type of negligence like yeah don't go to e3 <laughs> do do your own no, thing they, they came out and made it right they 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 um released that one statement where they said nah and so i feel like they took accountability <laughs> i think we're good yeah, as long as you as long as you say like "whoopsie, my mistake," then <laughs> I don't think totally... they said that. I don't think they said that. <laughs> as long as you eventually take down my information, you know. <laughs> eventually, as, as long as you tell me you're going to get to it soon. Yeah, I got to change my Twitter profile. Hold on one second, Jeff. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah, was really I mean, surprised when E3 sent out my mother's maiden name and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's also security number. Yeah, yeah it's really I, weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just seemed it just seems like a strange PR move. But um, E3's back this year, and Richard's, <laughs> Richard's mom name. can vouch for it. Contact her right now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, as somebody who has been going to E3 for over a decade, I, you know, I I kind of am sad to see it in decline and wasn't hoping that Sony wouldn't be there. I like when it feels, especially the years of new consoles, new hardware, I like it feeling like, oh, okay, at two o'clock, I'm going to go see Sony talk about theirs. And at five o'clock, I'm going to go see Microsoft talking about theirs. Those are exciting years. That feels like I'm in this Thunderdome of video game craziness and i dig that i've I've enjoyed that in the past i just think that's gone we are not in that in, in fact microsoft is, is like <laughs> all of their messaging from phil harris or uh, phil spencer is like uh we're not even competing with sony sony we love them they're doing a great job we love those guys you know it's uh it's a it's a new world now and um and i think that all of these companies i think microsoft is is I mean, they've already kind of done it by having their own event, but all these companies are learning that E3 is not useful. We're in a post-media world. They don't need media. They don't need to have a place where they give a media event to a bunch of people that are going to write their own opinions about things. They have the internet for that. They just post stuff on the internet, have a a, a pre-packaged reveal, and they don't have to worry about going through intermediaries, you know? And it's easier to get their stuff in front of people, <clears throat> you know, if you have trusted influencers or media or whatever, you don't need everybody in one place necessarily where yeah. I am playing something right now, you know, not right now, but yesterday that can't talk about yet. And 10 years ago, I would have needed to go somewhere to do that. You know, like yeah. well, and, you can just yeah. get the demo, get the thing, play if, the thing. If they're announcing the PS5 in February, they've got February announce day all of themselves. You know, they're not, yeah. the, they don't have to worry about two o'clock a Sony and five o'clock a, a Microsoft. They, they've got all the, all of the news cycle for themselves and kudos to them. You know, we'll be talking about it when we talk about it. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think, I do think this is, I don't even think it's the beginning of the end. It's the middle of the end of for, for E3. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're in the middle of the end, uh, and and soon there will be it will be an afterthought of we're in the Sony the, the wrote down of- everything they like about E3 and put it in a letter, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they just they can't bear to read the letter to E3 yet. But we we know it's going to happen. 
All right. Uh, before I get to my story of the week, I do want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh, how I love Squarespace. I have recommended it to so many people, uh, both on the air and off. I, I talk about it to my family members, to my friends, anybody that needs a website, and almost everybody at some point does need a website. If you've got an idea, any idea. Uh, is E3deadjet.com. Yeah, there you go. Is is middle of the end for E3.net. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can make it. You've got you've got a whole um, an amazing resource of buying domains. If you want to think about cool domains, like Christian and I just spitballed, uh, you can buy domains on Squarespace. They have uh, over 200 extensions to choose from. And then when you build your site, you got these awesome tools. You start with this cool template that they have from from professionals, from artists that are super high caliber. And then you get to make it your own. You get to mess with it and, and use tools that are so simple. It's just drag and drop. What you see is what you get. And you can just drop in plugins. If you want to sell products, you can do that. You got e-commerce plugins. You can just drop right in. If you want to announce an upcoming event or special project, if you want to publish or blog, showcase your work in any way. It's really just the, the easiest way to make a website. It's the simplest, easiest way to do it. Uh, you've got a built-in search engine optimization. You've got analytics you got uh, nothing to ever patch or upgrade. That's all handled in the background for you. They got 24-7 award-winning customer support if you've ever run into any problems. It's just the easiest way to do it. You can make it yourself. You don't have to worry about relying on other people, paying an expensive uh, designer or, or coder to do it. You don't have to learn HTML. Just do it yourself. Make it yourself. And if you want to try it out, you can head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and start your free trial build your site. You don't even have to give them a credit card. They won't automatically charge you at any point. You just build your site, use their tools for free, make it. And then when you're ready to launch, use the promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Jeff sent me, saves you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. If you just want to buy a domain, you can use Jeff sent me as well. Buy that cool domain and then worry about the site later. If you'd like to do that, just park some, park some domains for when the people get hot and heavy about uh, the, the, the middle of the end dot net. Um, and we, uh, we'll, it lets the Squarespace know that you heard about here and which is, which is useful for us. So check that out. Uh, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me. All right. Uh, what does that leave me for stories of the week? Uh, I mean, there's so many good ones. Uh, the fact that the valve index is sold out worldwide I'm so glad I have one. Uh, that That's a fun one, but that's kind of the beginning of the end of that story. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn coming to PC. That's pretty cool. Uh, but I think... That's, just just to... Because you're, you're going to move on from it. What I do think is interesting about that is the piggybacking that onto the idea that MLB The Show is going to not only be on PlayStation. And I think we're... If Horizon Zero Dawn comes over, I'm curious what else, and I'm curious what else Sony's plans are for expanding their first-party games. Well, I think I, this I, is a story for later, but it's interesting. What I yeah. would piggyback it on is is the fact that uh, that Death Stranding is also coming to PC, yep. and those are the same engine. So yep. perhaps that's an easy engine to bring to PC, and perhaps since the head of that developer is now the head of yep. Sony. Maybe we'll see lots of Sony games coming to PC because maybe more internal first party games will be using that awesome engine, which makes gorgeous games. I think that's, that's all very good news. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good stuff there. I'm excited. Yeah. 
Uh, but none of those are my story of the week. Uh, I do want to talk about. <laughs> I do want to talk about Stadia uh, because we got some updates about Stadia. Christian and I both founders of Stadia. Founders. Uh, You're welcome. On the backs of our sweat and toil, uh, Stadia rises. Rises. I still have the blisters over. on my hands. Yeah. Uh, all the people that are still rocking their stadias and, and, and it's just everyday people talking about what do you plan on stadia? Uh, it's, it's cause we're founders. <laughs> I would say the stadia launch did not go great. Um, even my friend at Google, I, I was like, so he's like, yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> I, um, I love stadia. I play it almost every day. It did. The launch did not go great. <laughs> like, is a true believer, but we're getting news now that the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it the real launch of Stadia, but that might not be an inaccurate uh, moniker for it. Stadia this year, 120 games coming, 120 games, 10 launch exclusives in the first half of the year, uh, and more features coming to Stadia in Q1 2020. Updates to the service will be rolled out over the next three months, including support for 4K gaming on the web. Perfect timing. For my free three months to expire, uh, where I was supposed to be getting 4K already for part of my founder's pack. Uh, Also, uh, assistant functionality when playing on the web. And additional support for more Android phones, which doesn't really help me as an iPhone user, but exciting. And wireless gameplay on the web through the Stadio controller, which one would think, as a much-touted feature, would be part of the founder's launch. But no, no, no. Coming soon. Christian, I want to ask you first. What do you think? Uh, 120 games, 10 launch exclusives. Launch seems like we're now just a meaningless word, right? <laughs> launch exclusives in the next three months. How are those launch? I mean, well, I think it means that they're going to launch on Stadia first. Ah, I don't think it's they're not Stadia part launching. Of the launch of Stadia. Ah. <laughs> yes. I- Yes. Probably I, I don't think Stadia ever launched. It might go very high. Will it but it's ever? Like, it's kind of like you let go of a balloon. It might go very high and very far and be very popular, but you would never say you launched the balloon. Yeah, you would you never. Know, kind of, yeah, a yeah, rocket just, launches a you balloon. You dropped it, actually. A, yeah, a balloon <laughs> goes. <laughs> you dropped it, and dropped maybe someone it. finds it in New Mexico with a note attached. We you know, like We know we had just... Uh... So I think this is these are yeah this is like um, Epic Game Store right like it's the uh, the exclusive home the, the timed Tetris Effect um, I think Red Dead Two you know like those games are launching you, gonna, are you there. Say, do you think you would further parse that down to launch exclusives launch uh, you know it's also on PC <laughs> but these are launch no, exclusives for maybe us. I mean yeah I don't know Console. does Darksiders Genesis count like would that have counted as one of these sure where it's like Steam and stadia i bet they count it but yeah i don't know i mean 120 games that's great because the system has been hurting for games um hurting for games and then because it's hurting for games and they've still seemingly kind of been giving out one to two free games you know included with your pro subscription each month you really feel like a fool for buying a game because you have a one in 15 chance that it's going to be the free one next month right like they're so <laughs> that's a good way to put that. there's so few yeah um so I, I want to see more games. I want that wireless gameplay, you know, using the Stadia controller for web. I, I that yes, come soon, please. That seems great. And as someone who is fortunate enough to have Stadia and have it work well at their house, the timed exclusives don't 
bother me, but generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of them because it's just gatekeeping to gatekeep, right? Like I think it'd be better. I wish everybody had already played Darksiders Genesis because I, I enjoy that game so much. I, I think that was because it needed work on console, but like, you know, pick your game. I, Tetris effect. I wish it could have been everywhere. God of war. I wish it could be everywhere. So everybody could play it. Um, and that certainly holds true here too. They gotta extend the founders free period to last beyond when 4k actually works. Right. Or else there's gotta be a, a, some sort of class action lawsuit. Right. Yeah. That, that feels, I mean, I mean, let's, let's be fair though. It, it is Google. They're really hurting. They don't really have a lot of resources. So fair maybe enough, we should give enough. them a pass and, and maybe some more money yeah. too. They're, to make uh, up for the, <laughs> to make boots, up for the fact that bootstrapping little uh, upstart, I get it. Yeah, just uh, a mom and pop shop. Yeah, uh, nothing, nothing too big. That's nothing literally too big, that's literally the extra money that you pay in a in a monthly fee. That's literally what it gets you is the 4K part, and they give us three months free of the 4K part, except that the 4K part doesn't work. And they just announced, hey, that 4K part doesn't work, and it should happen in the next three months. And I got three months free. I, I don't, you know, I'm not, math is not my strong suit, but that feels like exactly the amount of time you gave me free is exactly the amount of time that it's not going to work for. I, it seems like, yeah, no, yeah, your math, your math is wrong. It was 4k the whole time. You just didn't count well enough. <laughs> yeah. Richard, did you, did you stadia? I did not stadia. I, uh, I saw the, the, uh, the drop, I guess we'll say the balloon drop of stadia and I uh, was like, you know what? I'm I'm a busy person with other stuff that is giving me access to. I'm really enjoying this Xbox Games Pass. I, I got to play Outer Worlds for a dollar. I don't think I need another thing right now. So yeah. I've kind of stayed stayed clear of it. Stayed one hundred and thirty dollars richer than you, you know, yeah. than the other two guys here on the show. Yeah, and then I, I took that $130 and went to an all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet. But the thing is, the breakfast buffet doesn't open up until noon, which is a weird time for breakfast. But then they don't actually serve you breakfast after 11. So I just <laughs> used my money on that. <laughs> Jeff, if you hadn't bought Stadia Founders Edition, you could have bought a Super Bowl ticket. That's not true. <laughs> I priced Super Bowl tickets, and they're $4,000. <laughs> As soon as the 49ers so, won tonight, I literally loaded up my phone and looked in and they're $4,000. If you hadn't bought all of your VR headsets. I still would be a few thousand dollars short. <laughs> but I'm still holding out hope that there's some listener who's like, yeah, I got some Super Bowl tickets I don't need. That could happen, so right? He, here's my question to you, Jeff. Do you think that one of these launch exclusives, assuming we have that interpretation correct now, will be like a... Let's let's you know you let your pros lapse so you can still buy it if you wanted to, mm-hmm. um, you know buy the game. But you want to get it at four K. Do you do you envision? Do you predict? Do you Jeff Jeff Stradamus that one of these games will be like a oh crap they got me I'm re upping pro for a month because I need to play, but ah but ah at four K oh. this is incredible. I already predicted in our prediction episode that none of their first party exclusives will be this year. Yeah, so this is one of those timed exclusives. Yeah, I think you know, these are like, I think these are games that you'll be able to play other places, and none of them is going to be a. Nobody is putting out their massive AAA investment on Stadia for first, uh, except for Google, and I just don't think Google is going to be done with any of those yet. 
Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, yeah. I have a little sidebar point here. Jeff can't be uh, Jeff Tradamus if we've got Spice Tradamus. Like, we really need to think of a a different... No, you're right. We actually... There was some listeners who suggested some cool ones, and we just didn't write them down, and I can't remember. uh, What's Johnny Carson? Oh, he had a goofy name. It was like the great Santini or something weird like that. Maybe Jeff Regard von Bingen? Maybe that? Yeah, that rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Yeah, that's an easy one. (laughs) Hey, I also, I want to say I feel a little bad for being so snarky about uh, Google Stadia. I just spent $130 for no reason. And that's on me. That's on me. That That is on you. I offered you a buddy pass before you bought yours. Yeah, that's on me. So I shouldn't be snarky because I have only myself to blame. Uh, Anybody could have seen the writing of the wall. Richard did. And many others, uh, I mean, Richard is clearly much smarter than I, but even people who aren't smarter than I saw the writing on the wall. I threw well, $130 also, on the toilet for no reason. I'm happy with my purchase. Yeah, to me, it is money well spent. It was one of my favorite games of last year that I was able to play multiple places. I played on that system. I Destiny 2, I named as one of my, I think, top five of the decade. I've played a lot of it. There you go. On Stadia the last two and a half months. All right. There you go. Working great. As intended. It launched. I don't know about that. It's like a rocket soaring across your sky. (laughs) (laughs) You're being snarky again, Jerk. Move on. Move it on. (laughs) Okay, moving it on. Moving it on. Uh, Let's get to the games that we have been playing. uh, And we'll uh, do that by listening to this lovely bumper. Richard, what games have been occupying your time as of late? So I am uh, uh, late to many parties on games. So a couple, and one of these games, I am not only late to the party, I am late to the after party. So we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll start with that one. Uh, I've but been, after the party, we're in the hotel lobby. Can we, I can't even quote his lyrics anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, Richard showed up, and the it's like the. Uh, it's you know the uh the never mind i was I had a whole I had a whole run to do i had a whole run and i couldn't get it i couldn't get it to happen okay anyway what so what game are you late to the after party for i'm late to the after party for dragon's dogma uh which oh, yeah. you're I, only about five years late to that six years late to that yeah what so is- it it came out in 2012 i believe did i did not i straight out just did not notice it at all um then I heard rumblings about this thing as kind of like a, a hidden gem. Yeah. Then it came out on the Switch, and I, I, it kind of got a second life. It got all this critical attention, and I, uh, you know, I, I, it's you know, at this point, it's an old enough game that it, it's pretty affordable. And I gotta say, it's a pretty great game. Yeah, I'm, I am surprised at like that. There are things in the game that feel fresh and innovative today uh and i've just been having an absolute blast and it, for those who don't uh, who don't know it it's a game about picking up and throwing uh people or creatures who are smaller than you off of cliffs or climbing people and creatures that are larger than you and trying to avoid and trying to kill them before they throw you off a cliff um i'm not sure it's that's a, exactly what it's about but <laughs> it's a, yeah. i mean that's how you're playing it <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a way to play it. No, it's a it's a really great action RPG. It, it uh, uh, I get the feeling while exploring it that 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 kind of is similar to how I felt while playing Skyrim, but it just has a much more, just much more interesting mechanics behind it. And it's a game that lets you change what you're doing at the drop of a hat. You could be playing the entire game as a, uh, as a wizard. And you can be like, ah, you know what? I'm done with magic. And you just pick up a sword and you're fine. You just switch to a fighter midstream. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about, optimizing your character it's really like effortless um and there's something i think that's really lovely about that have yeah. either of you guys played it oh i did yeah we reviewed it back on the totally rad show back whatever that year was uh 20 you said 12 or 13 or something like that um and yeah i remember i remember liking it but i, I don't think i loved it sounds like you liked it a little more than i did but i i do remember liking it. I, you're playing it on switch now is that is, you're playing on switch well, that's that's the the funny thing. I'm not playing it on Switch. I'm playing it on PS4. It came out on Switch, and then you're like, hey, I can get this on PS4. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened. But then I got uh, we had a Merry Switchmas in my house, and I ended up uh, with a Switch. And so I did the thing that everybody does when they get a Switch, and I didn't get Breath of the Wild. I got Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is the other game I've been playing. That I'm also this party. This party I'm showing up fashionably late to, I would say. Well, I think you're going to be pleasing a lot of people that listen to this show because Christian and I don't talk about Fire Emblem and a lot of very passionate Fire Emblem fans do listen to the show and criticize us for never playing it and never bringing it up. So, ladies and gentlemen, Fire Emblem. So, my I have never played a Fire Emblem game in my life. Uh, this is uh, This is the first one I've ever picked up. Um, and I picked this game up at a moment in my life where I, one of the things that I love about this particular hobby is it reveals things about us. If we're willing to pay attention in terms of the way that we play games. And I had noticed that I spend a lot of time and energy trying to optimize my experiences. And this is true, not only in games, but in real life and to the point sometimes where I'm hurting my own enjoyment. So I'm doing Fire Emblem without any guides. I'm just kind of making decisions and letting the dice land where they land. Uh, Following your and, heart. Yeah. And it's it's such a great way to play. Because it's a very much the type of game where if you if you're, don't know the series at all, like I don't, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. There's just a ton of mechanics. Uh, there's a ton of really interesting things going on. I think it's a game where individual systems uh and plot beats and and character elements are on their own not necessarily compelling but when put together they're just really striking and it all works incredibly well um for those who are not in the loop it's it's uh uh, you're it's basically you're a professor at hogwarts type of situation it's not hogwarts it's it's a it's a different setting than than harry potter but it's you're you're teaching a group of students you get to choose it's fire emblem three houses because you get to choose which group of students you you want to mentor and then you're kind of responsible for uh controlling how they develop and helping them learn to bond with each other uh there's a kind of interesting over our 
overarching narrative that that in the I'm very early still. I'm I'm in the uh, I think I'm only in the seventh month uh, of the of the game, which is uh, the third or fourth month that you're playing. So I'm still relatively I'm still in Act One of the story, and it they they are putting down a lot of interesting and and kind of creepy things that you can question like as i'm playing it i have this like sense of dread which is really i think like really fun and not something i'm used to in most games uh, and part of this is you know the fact that i've i've chosen to not look at guides or spoilers for this game so i'm i'm just kind of letting things happen so feeling that like uncertainty about where the story is heading and, and just the occasional like casual creepiness of some of the students that are in the house i'm playing the black eagle house for those who uh are in the know uh on that and who who will find that interesting um but yeah it's a really i I, i've been enjoying the turn-based battles um i'm playing the game on hard and casual uh, as a combination so the the fights are a little bit harder but casual means that if one of your characters goes down they're not just dead for good at least that's my understanding of it. And and uh, I think that's a funny way to play something hard casual. But I'm like, I don't really want to reload a lot if I'm losing. I'd rather just, you know, move forward here and not not worry too much about that. I kind of um, love that difficulty setting. The fact that you can have a challenge, but the repercussions for it being hard aren't completely yeah. debilitating. <laughs> yeah, so they they don't let you change it midstream, which I think is a, is a is a mistake, but at the beginning of the game they they give you like, "Hey, do you want to play this the traditional style, which is where characters die if they go down in in battle, or do you want to play it more casual and then do you want the game to be uh the normal difficulty or do you want to have a little bit more of a challenge?" Um so yeah, it's really fun that they let you mix it up that way. I know that there are a lot of people that really enjoy that. I mean, I know it's like XCOM and a lot of games like that where, you know, when your characters die, it has real stakes. And so you start having those sweaty palms when a character. Oh, yeah. Because if you make your XCOM soldiers look like your friends and then they die in XCOM, they die in real life. That's that's my understanding. Um, But I've never gotten any joy out about that. I, I don't enjoy that tension. I really don't like... Oh my god! I love my level five soldier is almost dead. Oh, what do I do? I got to he run to the corner. I've never enjoyed that. Never, never, never enjoyed that. It's just not a. That's not a tension point that adds any, uh, you know, joy for me. It is not. It doesn't make it more fun at all. I think f- I just for my, from when because I, I I I did play uh, uh, XCOM with I I didn't always Iron Man XCOM, um, but. I do occasionally enjoy those types of stakes. And interestingly, I enjoy the, I enjoy it when games make failure its own interesting problem. Uh, I think for a first run through either of the XCOM games, you, you, I, I think you'd want to just do it where you can reload. But if you're doing a subsequent run, like I really appreciate that. Like, Oh, so this is interesting. I've lost my, like, a crucial part of my A team. What choices can I make to recover from that? How do I get out of the the kind of this campaign death spiral? Because um, XCOM is like it, it's a very thin line. I think if you if you lose one or two of your your best characters, recovery becomes progressively harder. Yeah, yeah. If you're late down that road, it becomes a little snowbally. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, awesome especially fun. in the late game. Go ahead. Oh, especially in the late game. For yeah. That. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Thumbs up from you. That uh, yeah. sounds like a game I would actually really like. I just have never gotten into the Fire Emblem games. I love turn-based strategy games, though. So I think you would. I think if you like turn-based strategy games, that is going to give you a a hook to kind of plant yourself in because that's where i'm coming from the rest i'm i've i like i've never played the rest of the series uh i was not necessarily it took me a little while to warm up to the rest of the game but i was able to uh wrap around the the sort of uh the kind of the the kind of central combat at least initially It, it might change like again i'm early stages in this game um but the rest of the stuff caught up for me very quickly so i think it's worth a shot Especially if you've got a switch, it's a good. It's it's just a great like. Turn it on, wander around the monastery, find some lost items that your students misplaced. Turn it off, do a turn based battle, things like that. Right on, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? Not a whole lot new this week that uh, we can chat about yet. Um, a lot more Pokemon. I did my, I found this interesting. Uh, I did my switch year in review. I love, I'm a sucker for those emails. I did my PlayStation one too. My shocking one for the PlayStation is I did not play very much PS4 in 2019. Like I was shocked how far like lower it was, how far lower. Good talking me. <laughs> um, how few hours I spent on my PS4 comparatively to PC and switch and Xbox. Um, but I mentioned it now talking about playing more Pokemon and playing on switch. Um, my number one, most hours played game, Jeff, I'll give you uh, one guess. Uh, if you can see what it is, what do you think my most played game was on switch in 2019 on switch? Oh, I was going to yeah. say destiny two, but that's not on switch um, on switch. Is it uh, Wolfenstein? That's a, that's a good guess. That is a good guess. It was Marvel ultimate Alliance. Really? Three. Wow. Yeah, blew my. I knew I loved that game. I talked about how I found myself just grinding away because of the characters and stuff like that. But more than Mario Maker Two, more than Pokemon. Pokemon came out late in the year and it was on my list. I think it gives you your top five. Um, so I clearly played a lot of Pokemon over Thanksgiving. But yeah, Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three, my most played game on my Switch this last year. That's um, big dumb fun. You like that big dumb fun? I I do like that big dumb fun, and so I think Pokemon now will scream into my 2020 as I'm, you know, depending on what the rest of the year has in store. So a lot more Pokemon. Uh, I've been playing it a lot with my kids, kind of letting them decide what to do. And they don't like farming or grinding. They're, they're not a big fan of the wild area. And we have hit a point now where we need to, which I think is a very fun, you know, I talked about like trying to get into Minecraft on their behalf. And thank you for those that reached out with great ideas and we've been implementing some and, and we're having some fun with it. But it's fun to watch them now in Pokemon see this part of that game and broader that style of game where it's like you can't run from gym to gym to gym to gym. Like you, they, they put you in the wild area, they put you out in the middle and you got to go fight Pokemon and you got to They like, don't use don't use your premier ball, dad. You, you, you only have a few of those. Okay, well, I'm about to burn through 10 regular Pokeball then, and we're not going to catch this thing. <laughs> like, oh, no, you, you, you use two Great Balls. Yeah, 
we threw it way too early <laughs> and we're, you know, we're underpowered here. It's not going to work out well for us. So it's been super fun to see. And then having them like, I don't want to say begrudgingly accepting going out and grinding, but like, if we want to do this and do it the way you want to do it, you know, effectively, we need to spend time over here. We can set up camp. We can cook. If we set up camp in the wild area and cook, that's a nice way to get uh, have a good chance. It's not guaranteed, I don't think, depending on the recipe, but get my Pokemon back to full HP. And then we can go back out. And if we run into something really OP, don't be afraid to run away. And like my youngest, I think, is grokking running away more than my oldest. Like she's really coming around on like the idea of grinding. But uh, my youngest, like we get into a fight. And if I, I'll like, um, like power up, you know, as my first move or something like that, or try to lower their defense or something like that and, and play it, not just like with a straight attack off the bat. She'll be like, run, you didn't do any damage. You got to run. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, a really fun moments to see. So all of that to be said, uh, no new games this week for me, more Pokemon that I can talk about more Pokemon and then more Wolfenstein. You're right on Wolfenstein, but that ray tracing has pulled me back and it's still, it's still very pretty. Right on, man. Right on. Uh, I kind of want to check out the, the, I don't get it on PC, so I don't, I got it on Xbox. But I, I don't, I, yeah, I hate to say this. I don't think it's worth a purchase. Yeah, like the, but I would like the game it. is Wolfenstein is the game is so fun and it's just buried in this um, repeating missions, open world, like adding some level of RPG grinding upgrading things to it that i don't think help this game where it's like oh, i'm grinding through this square again there's going to be one of those mech dogs again man i don't need to kill it because i'm trying to get past it but it's going to be annoying um man, it's, it's unfortunate it had us i mean not it uh bethesda had a really bad year really bad like with with doom getting not released <laughs> which i assume doom is going to be good but Dude, that do trailer looks so good. I, I assume that game's going to be awesome, but man, they had a terrible year. Even like what you would assume would be just surefire, solid, you know, base hits, if not home runs, like Wolf, like Wolfenstein Youngblood, just not great. Just real not great. Anyway, uh, that was last yeah. year. We're in a new year. Um, hey, uh, I want to kind of. We're kind of in a new year. We're still transitioning. Are we still transitioning? <laughs> Everything's delayed. Who knows? <laughs> 2020 yeah, has been still, delayed. It's still 2019. That would be 2019's final revenge is that it just it refuses <laughs> to end. It's like, no, you're still in 2019. No. 2019 was not a good year for me. Anyway. Uh, or the world, th- to be fair. Or the world. Or the world. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank our sponsor. Our second sponsor is Third Love. Oh man, I uh, I love it when we get sponsored by Third Love. My wife likes it even more. Jo- I'm not joking. Yesterday night, my wife goes, "Hey, honey, do you still have a Third Love promo code?" I was like, "Yep." She's like, "Okay, cool. I'm re- I'm recommending it to my friend. So could you give me the promo code? Promo code's thirdlove.com/dlc. Just say that right at the top. Third Love is a bra company." Uh, so if you have someone in your life that wears bras, if you wear bras, if your loved ones wear bras, you got to hear about Third Love because my wife, Christian's wife, pretty much anybody that's tried Third Love, it becomes their new favorite bra because Third Love basically fixed bras. <laughs> I had no idea they were such a, a pain, but they often are. Third Love is committed to the perfect fit on a bra. They have... 
collected data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz, which is a super simple, just takes a, a few minutes, few simple questions, finds your perfect pit, perfect, perfect fit, he said easily. Her, your perfect pit. No, your perfect fit. Over 14 million have, have taken that quiz to date. It's fun and it takes less than a minute to complete. And uh, it asks you, determines things like your breast shape, which most bras don't even take into account. They have more sizes at Third Love than almost anywhere else. They've got their patented, well, not patented, but their trademark uh, half sizes, half cup sizes. Uh, and they have their perfect fit promise. Every customer has 60 days to wear their bra, wash it, and put it to the test. 60 days. That's, that's a long time. If you don't love it, you can return it, and Third Love will watch it, wash it and donate it to a woman in need. How cool is that? So there's no risk. Even if you end up not liking Third Love, which my wife hasn't had that experience, uh, but even if that happens, you're actually helping the world. You're giving a, a bra to someone in need, which is pretty amazing. They have the best comfort and quality, hands down, the most comfortable bra you'll own, straps that won't slip, tagless labels, no itching. It's awesome. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners, listeners of DLC, 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now, find your perfect fitting bra, and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC, T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC for 15% off today. Do it. You'll be a hero to your loved ones or to yourself for actually uh, upgrading your bra. Thirdlove.com slash DLC. All right, so Christian spoke highly last week. If you remember last week's episode, I spoke so highly last week about Sayonara Wild Hearts that it motivated me. I I do sometimes listen to him. It's rare, but sometimes I do. And it motivated me to pull out the old Switch and download it. It's on sale. Nine bucks, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Downloaded it, played it, Gotta agree. It's pretty fantastic. It's pretty fun. It's so imaginative. Such an experience. Uh, as you said, Christian, play it with earphones. The music is phenomenal. It's really playing through a music video in a lot of ways. Actually, you you said uh, it reminded you of Rez, which I understand that reference, but actually felt to me like a mix between Rez and Elite Beat Agents, which is an old DS game that I adored. Elite Beat Agents mm-hmm. and its sequel. <laughs> sequels did it have more than one sequel i think it only had one sequel right man that is a series that needs to come back why is there not a new elite beat agents on switch it needs to happen um but this is kind of uh reminiscent of that it's basically playing through an extended series of qtes which you know people don't like qtes but done well they're awesome and so it's button presses it's moving around it's it's dodging things uh, and you're, the camera is just wild spinning around your protagonist. It's this cool neon world that's abstracted and awesome. Uh, and it, you, you've got this psychedelic visual style that's really compelling. Uh, drumming, EDM music that's cool and, and sort of rhythmic and feels like you're doing stuff to the beat. Uh, and you're just, you're just th- thrown through all these different levels that keep, changing the rules and and inventing new things and putting a twist on stuff that they've that uh, previous level has established like for example there's a really great level where 
you know, you've been, you've been following these little hearts and collecting things and going down paths and making sure you dodge obstacles correctly. And then all of a sudden there's a level where there's these characters that snap their fingers and the snapping of their fingers, like reverts the level back and forth between two different states. It's so good. So good. It's so wow. good. And, and so you, you have to, you have to position yourself not where the level currently is, but where it's about to be snapped to, which you just got a preview of the last time it was snapped in that area. It's kind of hard to explain, but man, it's such a clever, it keeps playing on the things that it's established. It's, it, it keeps changing up things and interested in introducing new ideas. It's really, really quite good. Um, and for $9, you really can't go wrong on switch. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. I dig it a lot and I appreciate you. Uh, recommending it so highly. Yeah, this looks really. This looks really fantastic. Just, it is. It looks like very stunning. This might be. I mean, my uh, Fire Emblem is all alone on that Switch. Maybe it needs some company. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is a cool. I, I, it's one of those games that I lo- really enjoyed playing. You know, in, sitting in bed or relaxing. It's a sort of Zen game. It does something very, very, very smartly, which I always commend in games that do this. When you fail or do something wrong, you're instantly back it is yes instant that you are back doing the the thing and it, it it doesn't take you too far back it's as if the uh the song you're listening to was sort of uh rewound slightly you know five or ten seconds back and then you get to do the next bit uh just but just instantaneously so it's it's zero frustration and then it even suggests actually got a little annoyed that it was suggested so often because maybe i was failing often but it would say hey do you want to just skip this part do you not like it and i'd be always be like no 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 i actually dig this and i enjoy the fact that i've been failing it makes me want to do better um but and the honestly my only other gripe with it christian is that i kind of got bummed out and this is lame to even say but i got bummed out when the game introduced guns it's like oh gonna have guns do we have to have guns felt like it was such a cool thing that was happening and i was into it and it was compelling without guns and then at a certain point it's like you know yeah have some guns it's like okay i want guns yeah i feel like the way i i totally understand that i feel like the way it did it it didn't bump with me the same way like these aren't guns but i i loved the way it did swords oh, i thought I it was awesome the swords was cool but it's like it was like oh your motorcycle has gatling guns now i was like eh, all right okay yeah. Can I ask, uh, yeah. without it being, unless it's a severe spoiler, what are you shooting at in this game? Obstacles. Yeah, mostly. Obstacles. I mean, there's like boss fights too, where you know you have to destroy a three-headed wolf monster, and you're shooting at that. You know, it's but it's all oh, like, so it's like Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all like polygon. It's not. It's not Star Wars arcade like the Atari game, but it's also kind of vector graphic. Yeah, like it's not. It actually, reminded me a little. It's not of real Tempest, the old Tempest arcade yeah. game. Yeah, it's not like real things. You're. It's, it's not violent. No, it's I not. Mean, but it's also it like makes sense. It didn't have to be. It didn't it's have so to have I don't know. It, it's just. I know. It's no, a of course not. Complaint, but I enjoy. No, it's it not at all because there's a. You yeah, know, it's a, not a stupid complaint. A, a series of levels before it gets to guns, and you're like, oh wow, cool. I'm like riding on the back of a unicorn flying through space. This is such a cool, different kind of experience. And then it's like, no, your motorcycle has guns. It's like, oh, okay. Hey, so did Batman. Wait, dude. wait, wait, wait. The motorcycle gets guns, but the unicorn doesn't get guns. <laughs> yeah. A little disappointed in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sinar Wild Hearts, very much worth playing. I think it's still on sale for nine bucks. Uh, easy to recommend. Super easy to recommend. 
The other thing that I've been doing a lot of, I've been playing also the game that Christian and I can't talk about till next week, but we will talk about it next week. I'm excited to talk about it next week. Um, but the other thing that happened this week is I've sort of started uh, introducing my three-year-old to games. It's, we, you know, we did, we didn't do screens at all for the first two years of his life. And then we sort of introduced TV. Now he's obsessed with TV uh, to the point. I mean, we don't watch a lot of it, but he's always asking for TV. It's like, oh, okay. And, uh, and now I'm sort of tiptoeing my way into video games a little bit. Lone Echo? EU4? That would be amazing. Uh, what did you say, Richard? EU4? <laughs> EU4. Uh, what, what, is it? What, am I, what am I not getting? EU4 is what? Europa Universalis oh, or the Europa Universalis. <laughs> Paradox Grand Strategy yeah, game. Yeah. yeah Which is experience kids love. Yeah, he's a 4X strategy guy to the core, you know. He's like expand, extort, explore. He's only three, but he's all about that 4X. Yeah, he's all about that 4X. <laughs> uh, it's always good to be in, in more X's than you have years in your life. That's my that's my life philosophy is always get more X's than years. Uh, I have 40 X's. <laughs> Uh, no, the, um, the way that I've been doing this is we started not with the newest, latest, best, but with my super NES mini. I thought, Hey, it'll be cool. We'll, we'll, we'll just, you know, I got the super NES mini sitting here, not being used. What a perfect way to introduce him. We can play some super Mario world, some Mario Kart, F zeros on there. We got all kinds of ways to just dip in. And he loves it. He loves it. Yeah. Um, it is funny. I mean, he he is, you know, pre... We've just had a couple of se- three sessions so far. He, he's asked tonight, actually, he asked to do it before bed. And it's instead of TV, we can do... We can. He saw, calls it playing the Mario. Can we play the Mario? Uh, which is his word for all of Nintendo. And the... Funny thing is, you know, he's not really able to actually even manipulate buttons and D-pad at the same time yet. So even games like F-Zero or Mario Kart, where you have to hold down a button and then D-pad it up. You know, we're spinning in circles. We're going backwards a lot. You know, it's, it's still early days, but we're tiptoeing in. And the fun thing about the Super Nintendo Mini is that it's super easy to switch between cartridges, switch between games. You just hit that reset button and you're back at the menu. And so he'll tire of something pretty quickly and then you know be like okay i want that one and he's just picking stuff based on its you know album art as we all we all did yeah um and i have learned a couple of things uh revisiting the super nintendo mini in a deeper way you know i got the super nintendo mini and i like jumped into the things that i was super excited about uh but i didn't really explore it a ton um things that i have come away with one, Star Fox for the Super Nintendo is a terrible game. Terrible game. Maybe this is blasphemy to Whoa. some. It is a terrible. I was nodding along. It is a, and I was about to say, it's really good. And then you, you hit me with it. It is an objectively terrible game. Star Fox is a terrible game. It is terrible. Well, welcome to episode one of Richard and Christian Talk <laughs> Games. Um... It is so bad. Anyway, uh, he likes it. Wow. It is a flying game. It's like the only flying game on there. Um Pilot Wings. Is Pilot Wings on the Super Nintendo Mini? I don't think it is. I don't think it is, dude. It's not? No. I mean, I can object to Googling. Keep talking blasphemy. Um, 
F Zero and uh, Mario Kart are uh, shockingly similar when you're playing with three three year old. You know, not much difference between them. <laughs> um, but that's okay. He really likes the the those games because you know they feel like they're going forward. And man, the, the, those Mode Seven effects are just all about the Mode Seven effects. And they're they're you know those those games came a long way in a short period of time over the next couple of generations. But you know, very fun and playable. Uh, I, I still adore Super Mario World. I think it's still my favorite Mario. I, I really love it. Although the controller is frustrating on the Super Nintendo Mini because it is not as precise as I am used to. Um, the other thing that is adorable about my son is we played uh, Zelda Link's Awakening. He calls it the Z game because he recognizes the big Z. And I don't know how well you guys remember that game, but it starts, you wake up, as you often do in Zelda games, you wake up as Link in bed in a little hut, and then you walk outside and it's raining. And my son was like, go back inside. It's raining outside. <laughs> so we spent, I don't know, 10 minutes in the hut. Not Every time he would want to poke his head back outside, it was still raining. And so he, we just stayed in the hut. <laughs> and that game is so annoying because... At the beginning, you get a message, I think, from Zelda saying, hey, I'm stuck in... I mean, I, I think it is Zelda. Stuck in the castle. I'm stuck in the castle. Come find me. Help me. I'm stuck in the castle. You can get to me through the garden. If you don't attempt to do that, it will keep giving you that message, which scrolls at a absurdly slow speed, agonizingly slow speed, and you can't skip through it. You have to just wait and press, keep pressing it after every sentence. And it just does that periodically. So my son doesn't read yet. And he's like, why is it, why does it keep doing that? I'm like, the princess is still talking to us. Okay. I want to stay in the hut and wait out the rain. Okay. The rain's not going to stop buddy. I know, but it's raining outside. Let's stay in the hut. Okay. So it was very frustrating. Uh, so that's my experience playing Zelda. The first two minutes of Zelda, but lasting, you know, a half an hour. Uh, <laughs> the game does not want you to wait around in the beginning. It wants you to go find the secret entrance to the gar in the garden. And it will not, not abide you not doing that. It just keeps interrupting your fun and says, go when we are just a couple of guys trying to avoid the rain. That's all we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. You guys, it sounds like you're, you're uh, staying dry, which might not be the state, like the objective of the game that the developers want you to go for. But I think that's a perfectly valid way to play that game. Right? Yeah. That's our legend of Zelda. The legend is how dry link stayed. You know what I'm saying? It's a real yeah. rainy day that day, and Link stayed dry. The end of the legend. <laughs> <laughs> and you are correct. No pilot wings on this NES classic. Yeah. I know. I've looked through that menu about a hundred times. And but he, no rain in pilot fate. wings. He's also very frustrated that we can't play Star Fox 2, which is locked behind completing the first level. <laughs> it's just the first level know, of Star Fox. Which is yeah, a, come a, on. excruciating to me, and he loses interest because the game is awful. 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 It was a terrible game. I think I I talked about this when, when my kids were younger, and I think I might have started my oldest with a NES mini, and then we did the Super NES Mini. And I think this is just I mean, and I'm lying because we started her with an iPad. Like yeah. so it, whether an edutainment game or whatever, right? Like she had definitely gamed on the device before that. And I found it fascinating that they both my oldest and my youngest grok dual analog better than a d-pad like interesting she was like uh, i'm like go up what you mean forward 
like because the way she's holding the controller like mm. up is toward the tv and i'm like oh weird yeah it didn't it did not make sense to her um and she's still better she's better doing a twin stick playing splatoon than a 2d mario game it, it's fascinating her favorite was excite throw though, my kid into vr on that's what you're saying yeah just get him doing what he's going to be doing as well I just thought that was a fun way to introduce him to getting games because he doesn't have any expectations. He's like, you know, this is what video games look like. This is the Mario. Um, and he likes riding on the back of Yoshi and eating apples off trees. Uh, it's good times. It's good times. You should queue up Bulletstorm and show him what games can be. <laughs> Bulletstorm. <laughs> I like that. That's your poll. <laughs> All right. You want to stay inside because it's raining, son? The world's a violent place. <laughs> uh, I know it is very late for Richard, but I do want to get to some tabletop time because he has a, a board game to talk about. But I want to thank our final sponsor first, which is Ritual. Boy, we got two sponsors uh, that uh, are talking uh, primarily to women, which is wonderful. I love that about this show, uh, that we have lots of women who listen. And lots of men who love women who listen. So this is perfect. Ritual is a supplement, a vitamin supplement for women. And it is one that my wife is now taking as well. We all want to do the right thing by keeping our bodies healthy. But not always are there easy, healthy ways to do it that are easy on your stomach, that's my wife's favorite, honestly, her favorite thing about Ritual is that she doesn't have to take this with food. It's easy on her stomach. Uh, this was made by a woman who actually was looking for, a, I think, a prenatal vitamin and was uh, looking around the the world of vitamins and just didn't find anything that was as conscious about ingredients as she was with her food. She's like, you know, we, we think about this with food, but vitamins, people don't even really look at the labels. We just assume that the vitamin has good stuff. I'm going to make a new kind of vitamin supplement that actually is made of as good of ingredients as the stuff that I expect from my food. And so these are easy to take caplets. Uh, They provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health, specifically made for women. Uh, They don't have any shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. And they, uh, you know, offer you from D3 to omega-3. They fill the gaps in a woman's diet. Um, They have this no-nausea capsule design. It's gentle, even on an empty stomach, which, like I said, is my wife's favorite part. Because it's, you know, you're you're in your busy day. Sometimes you just want to, you see the vitamins. Oh, I got to take the vitamin. But, oh, man, I didn't eat. I'm not having breakfast. I'm skipping breakfast. Or whatever it is, you don't have to be, tied to eating with a vitamin, it's pretty great. And also sometimes um, these vitamins uh, can have like a fishy taste to them or mess with your breath. None of that with Ritual. In fact, there's a mint tab in every bottle just to make sure you keep things fresh and get that fishy aftertaste that's common with most omega-3s. Pretty cool. So this is, uh, you know, for obsessive label readers, vegan-friendly, sugar-free, Non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free ingredients. Pretty great. And it's a subscription. So it's easy to start and it's easy to keep going. Uh, you don't have, you know, it's, you know, sometimes you get all excited about having supplements and then you, you lose, the, you lose your mojo. You forget about it. That's what happens to me all the time, honestly. Uh, so now it's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month. No strings attached. So better health. Doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering listeners of DLC 10% off during 
your first three months. That's pretty amazing. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash DLC to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash DLC. That's R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash DLC. Right now, right now. I'm excited to talk about tabletop games. It's been too long since we have done so. I'm especially excited because Richard Lovejoy has played a game that I find to be brilliant. It's difficult to talk about it without spoilers, but it is a legacy game. Yeah. Uh, it is Betrayal Legacy. It's a game that evolves and changes as you play it. Uh, tell me about playing Betrayal Legacy, Richard. So Betrayal Legacy uh, is, even before you put in the legacy mechanics for the game, it's a really fascinating game in and of itself. It is a co-op game that eventually turns into an asymmetrical kind of opposing game where one person betrays the rest of the group. Um, this all happens in the context of you're, 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 you're playing characters from different families. You go into a haunted house and somebody gets possessed by the demon or, or turned into a zombie or, or whatever the particular haunt demands. And I've just been having such a blast with it. We've we've played uh, we've played through about nine different scenarios, and the house has starting to feel very much like our house. Uh, the families start to take on characteristics and, and and traits, and the game really encourages people. I think even people who don't normally think of themselves as uh, role players to to kind of do a little light role playing. Uh, and kind of get into, I, I think there's a way where this game is sort of a backdoor tabletop RPG game in a lot of ways. Like it feels, yeah, like, yeah, it feels like, yeah, like you have like this specific group of characters and the, and the families start to take on their own, their own persona. And then like, you, you know, you start having different theories on how to deal with problems. Like in my group, we have somebody who's uh, really into like a, who's a chaos Muppet. He's like, well, you know what? Let's mess around with this. <laughs> and that's in a in a horror game that's amazing because you know sometimes it'll end up getting her character her characters killed and sometimes it'll end up getting everybody killed and sometimes it's the right choice and we all squeak through um yeah it's just a really fun experience and i would strongly recommend it to people because it's uh even if you're not usually into board games i think there's something about this specific game which is a good game gateway game it's not too complicated rules wise uh has a real appealing hook um and the the storytelling is super fun and if you get through that prelude and you don't immediately want to open the first chapter then i don't know what's wrong with you (laughs) yeah i mean it really is a storytelling game at its its core and the story is is what you make which is pretty rad i mean you're you're finding out stuff about the house but um it's more about you, your path through that, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful game. It's not cheap as as you know, just starting into a, a world of board games is like, oh, that's how much they cost now. But yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And if you can get the same group to go through, you know, multiple playthroughs, it's very rewarding. So I'm playing with 
it's it's a five person game. So if you it, it's it's cheaper if you, you you get five people and you all share the cost. That's definitely something oh, you can do. Smart, um, yeah. And I'm playing with five of the busiest. I mean, I'm, wait, hold on. I'm counting myself. For I'm playing with four other people who are all incredibly busy. We're in New York City, and uh, everybody has complicated lives where they work nine different jobs to pursue three different dreams. Or, <laughs> you know, and so we're all scheduled to the brim and we still find, uh, find time every month to get a game in. That's uh, great. And it's a game that inspires that. Like you really, it, it, you really want to turn it into an event. And now it's become, there's a whole ritual, like it's the type of game that creates rituals around it, which is in some ways also like thematically interesting given what, where the game goes in terms of its story. But we always have this scenario where we will, we'll get together, we'll cook a, a healthy dinner. Somebody will host, we'll cook a healthy dinner. We'll all catch up with our lives. We'll play the game. We'll drink some wine, have a little unwind at the end. And it's just such a, a highlight. Uh, we have, we have one, uh, scheduled for next week and it's like i'm going to spend all that entire week like looking forward to it as i slog through that's awesome yeah i'm so envious of that see christian what people would do before they had kids christian, <laughs> that... what i I don't, I don't i don't do that anymore i got kids i would love to do stuff like that that sounds amazing no you you missed the part where it was scheduled to the brim and they still find the time to make it happen jeff you're listening to the wrong parts but i can't have we can't have people and food and stuff. There's kids running around screaming their heads off. I can barely watch a football game tonight. But also for our listeners, it should you should know that there's a comma in there. There are kids, comma, screaming their heads off. It's like not the kids that are screaming their heads off. Oh, that's one of the haunts. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the haunts. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's so cool. And I think that, that you've stumbled on something that I never really put together. It seems obvious now that I hear you say it, but it's such a perfect way to get people invested in the, the commitment of playing a game multiple times. We all share the cost. We're all bu- literally buying into the premise that we're all going to play this game. I think that's a great way to do it. It's like, Hey, you know, the five of us, that's all, you know, uh, pony up 20 bucks or 25 bucks or whatever and get a, get a game. I got it, for me, it was uh, w- one of the people that I'm playing the game with got it for me as a, birthday present and it was it's just like one of the best birthday presents i've ever received uh and i'm so glad that she also gets to enjoy the birthday present as well um and i also want to point out too because this is this is the the group that i'm playing with we all have various degrees of how into tabletop games we are there's one of the players is not would not consider herself much of a like a gamer at all uh, my wife and I have both played D and D. We, we you know, we have like this kind of, like, we know tabletop games pretty, pretty well. And then, like, there's just varying levels of uh, exposure and experience with games, and we're all having the best time playing this together. It's awesome, man. <sighs> I just wish I hadn't had kids, Christian. That's all I'm saying, man. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. Uh, you said you played some board games over the uh, over the holidays, right, Christian? Yeah, well, this is even more recent than that. Uh, oh, yeah, nice. so two to talk about. One is shorter and, and one we can spend a little more time on. 
the first one is called what do you meme like after going from betrayal legacy i feel bad talking about this um <laughs> i have but, this game i have this game yeah so it, it is like if you've played cards against humanities too many times and you are your friend group likes that game and you want something that's like adjacent to that i feel like what do you meme is adjacent to that and there's a picture an internet you know, style picture. And then the people you're playing with, you all have cards that have funny little sayings on them. And then you put them out, you know, ran- randomly or, or so the person judging doesn't know whose turn it is. Um, and then that person looks at all the cards and picks the one they think is funniest. And then that person gets a point and then they get to draw the next picture and they get to go. So it's very simple. It's very easy to play. You know, people will be laughing and chuckling. My issue with the game is that oftentimes just the words alone are funny, like, or, you know, inappropriate. So there's like a naughty version. And so you're like, you're kind of giggling and it doesn't have anything to do with the picture per se, like games like this, <laughs> I read, this is a me issue, like fundamentally bother me in the sense that it's like, they don't, those two things don't go to, you didn't pick that one. Cause it goes well with that picture. You just giggled because this said like, booty crack or you know whatever and it's like fine and well the point of the game is making the person laugh who judges well it's not funny tina um that's that's where i go you seem like a delight at parties Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well sometimes you're frustrated when the game like sometimes the game gives you booty crack and then you're you're a winner and sometimes the game gives you something less fun and then you know your yeah. skill doesn't well, matter you're, what you're yes, saying is when the game gives you booty crack make booty crack aid right is what you think <laughs> Yes. But no, that is a great point, Richard. There are times where it's like, you just don't have any funny sayings. Like it doesn't matter what the picture is. It's just like, you know, it's not funny. It's like, because he slipped on a banana. You're like, well, I guess that one. Anyway, it's, it's fine. It's fun. Fun. E if you want like that type of thing. I think it works well, but I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because it really frustrates me. Um, well, sorry, I was too busy caught in a word word spiel about it. That's the other game we played, word spiel. This game, have either of you played this game, Jeff? No. Do you know this game? I don't think so. This game's fun, uh, and I, I respect it uh, more, much more so than what do you mean. And so you, I don't remember the exact, like let's say seven cards. Look up the rules. Um but you start and you kind of build like a spiral of of cards and you deal out the first whatever it is, first five or whatever, and or there's like one letter played. And you what you do is you're spelling words as the spiral keeps growing on the table in front of you. And the objective is to play the person who plays all their cards first, um, everyone else, then however many cards you have in your hand, um, those are points. And it's like golf, right, where you want to have the fewest points at the end of three, five, whatever rounds you do. And so by spelling, we're, you're always adding on to this spiral. And so if you played like um, go, I could put down an O and play goo, and then it's someone else's term. Or if I had an OD, I could turn your go into good or like no into nope if you had N-O and you play a P-E. And then the next person can play off of P-E and spell peed, you know, or, some, or P if they wanted to, or they can just go off the E and put their own E and do an L and spell eel. So you don't have to use every letter that's in front of you, but you can use as many of them as you want to then play your next letter or letters, which I think is like a fun, creative way to kind of keep building on words. Um, And if you can't play anything, you can take a card from the deck and either add that to your card blind to your stack blindly, or 
you can just turn it over from the top of the deck, add it onto the spiral, and that kind of then resets the spiral because it doesn't need to spell something. So if we had, you know, nope was was spelled out or whatever, and E was at the end, nothing you could spell off of that. You take one off the top, plop it down, and it could be a, you know, a, a... X. Well, it wouldn't be an X, but it could be an A, right? There's not doesn't need to keep spelling anything. And then the next person that goes gets to work off of that A. And so there's kind of strategy where if you don't have card that you like, you can go into the deck and kind of get one back. And I think within one round, you're allowed to swap up to three cards, if I remember correctly. Um, but you do that blindly as well, but to hopefully reset your deck where if you're sitting there holding three T's, you know, it's hard to just finish a word or spell a word if that's all you have in your hand. It's really fun. It's fast-paced, and it, I'm always impressed by how much better everyone else is at spelling than me. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm like, and I played two letters, and then like the person next to me, she's like, great, uh, round's over. I just played eight, and I'm like, oh, I guess that is a word. <laughs> that's awesome. That sounds like a really fun word game. I dig it. It's yeah. a really fun word game. It's super easy to travel because it's just a deck of cards. Yeah. And um, – it, it's not as intense as Scrabble is for yeah. me and my friend group. That's <laughs> so word spiel. Word spiel, yeah. Nice. Well done. Um, I had a chance recently to play a game with its designer, which is always a treat. Uh, I'm kind of friends with uh, Jeff Engelstein, who's a very awesome podcaster and game designer. And he did a, a game, the, the adaptation, the tabletop adaptation of The Expanse, which has now Ooh. become a massive hit television series. Uh, but I don't watch. Uh, I've been meaning to watch, but I haven't yet. Uh, so first off, I know I got to watch that show. Uh, but second off, we we played the Expanse. Um, Jeff brought it, and and I love playing a game with its designer. Um, so we played the Expanse, despite my not really knowing much about the fiction of the world. I haven't read the books, and I haven't watched the series at all. Um, I intend to, but uh, it's still a really fun game and super well designed uh, area control game. So there, the board is broken up into different planet uh, regions, and you are making your claim to areas on that board um, by flying your fleet on onto those areas, and then putting down uh, resources to uh, maintain control. And there's all kinds of very specific rules about who, uh, you know, the, how many of your cubes mean you're in control. And how many, you know, everybody else is, everybody's trying to put cubes on these, these planets to be the dominant force on that planet. And it's an asymmetrical game. So each faction in the game plays a little differently, has special rules, special abilities that only they can do. And those coincide with the factions that are in that world of the expanse. Again, super unfamiliar to me, but even better than that is that most of the actions that happen are tied to moments uh fiction that is is prominent in the series and uh in the books um so if you're super into the into the that world things that happen are all things that happen in those books and uh characters that show up that come up and play you play as cards are all you know thematically consistent so that's pretty neat, but again, lost on me because I didn't really watch the show. Still, just a really tight, awesome area control game with some tense moments, and uh, you you are able to, uh, you know, you, all area control games, you're pulled in a million different directions. Uh, and this game, I found myself 
um, really having more cool things that I, I, I could do in a turn than I was able to do based on the resources I had, which to me is the measuring stick of a really great game. I, there are too few, too many games where I feel like my options are super limited. And it's like, ah, oh, the, the, the tension comes from, there's not enough to do. I, I don't, I'm, I have only a few things I can do and that's frustrating or that was where the tension comes from in the game. It's like, ah, oh, I wish I could do more. This game is, and others like it that I enjoy. I feel like, oh, there's like a billion things. I wish I could be at every place. Um, so I, I found it to be really fun. And I won when we played, which was really cool for the first can time. I, can I ask uh, as somebody who is a, a uh, very much a, a, a fan of those books uh, and, who, and I also enjoy the TV series, which faction did you play? Oh, I'm not even going to remember the name of it. Uh, let me look. I played the people that start on Earth, which is the uh, – I think they're called Earth. Uh, or is yeah, the, that's probably like the, the, the UN. Earth's UN, yeah, and then the Military of Mars and the Rebels of the OPA. So I played yeah. Earth's UN forces, um, which was fun. It was cool. Like I said, I didn't have any context, but um, it plays like a really – the thing that I think Jeff is so good at, it, it plays as a really dense, intense strategy game, like, you know, something much heavier uh, weight, but y- the rules are fewer. It, it is a streamlined version of something that feels way heavier. So it, you feel like you have as many strategic options as a much denser, heavier game, but it's super streamlined and easier to pick up uh, in, in, a, in one go. And so, you know, it's not actually a heavier game. It's not actually super complex. It's not Twilight Struggle, you know, but it it, it feels as um, strategically complex as something like that, which is really quite quite something to pull off where you can take something simple and make it feel um, complex, but not even not complex in an intimidating way, more like deep, you know, it's. It's very good. It's very good. And I think that I would really, really dig it if I like the expanse, which I intend to at some point. All right. That's going to do it for tabletop time and this episode of DLC. Thanks again uh, to Richard Lovejoy for joining us. Richard, uh, it was so, so fun having you on the show. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. I, I really appreciate you letting me stay up late with you guys. Wow. We're here on the East Coast. I know it's very late there, uh, but tell people where they can follow your advice column and all the other things that you do online. So you can see my Joy Conjure column over at Gamers with Jobs. Um, it, it is a bi-weekly column. I try to get them out on uh, Tuesdays, uh, every other Tuesday. Um, and you can f- I am on that forum as The Harpo Marxist, which is also my Twitter handle. You can at The Harpo Marxist and you will find me on Twitter. Additionally, I have a feature film called The Widowers, which is a comedy about grief that you can get from Amazon and you should rent that. Awesome. Very cool. We do have our parting gift coming up. So stick around for that. Uh, Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, nothing fun. I mean, yeah, nothing. We'll see. If you're in L.A., I'll probably end up doing a show or something like that. Twitter's the best way at Spicer. Um, and then, uh, 2020 has been, uh, has been fun so far. So hopefully more to talk about later. Awesome. 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. You can email us here at the show at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting your feedback, your emails, your recommendations, any kind of discussion about video games you want. Share with us. Please don't hesitate. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send that. I also do a movie and television review show called the Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. I think we're talking about uh, talking about Little Women this week. I think I might talk about that in a second myself. Um, and I also do the Dungeon Run, which is my version of long-form epic storytelling. I'm a dungeon master on a live play Dungeons & Dragons show, and I'm super proud of it. I think the story we're telling is really, really cool, and the players are amazing. I mean, it really feels like television, I think. Um, it's excellent. I'm, I've just oh, started listening and I'm really enjoying it quite a bit. Thank you. Wow. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it very much. Uh, you can check that out. You can listen to it as an audio podcast by searching for the dungeon run anywhere you get podcasts, uh, or you can watch it on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run on YouTube. Uh, but we also record the show live on Wednesday nights at 6 PM Pacific time. So if you want to watch us record it live and impact the story yourself, we do that over at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Richard, do you have a recommendation to help people get through their week? Yeah, I th- I think we we spend a lot of time with uh, with media and content that is based in plot and where. Uh, things like tone and mood are sort of secondary or, in, or, or largely used as something that supports narrative. So I'm going to recommend uh, checking out some photography. Uh, I, and specifically, I'm going to recommend uh, Kent Meister photography. He is a portrait photographer uh, who does some really, just really fascinating work. Um, he has a whole series where he he's done portraits of uh, the people who are sort of uh, who sort of do a lot of the indie theater in New York City, and it's they're all like they're the they're all in black and white. They're really really striking, and they don't quite look like any other portrait I've seen. Uh, he has a whole series of color uh, portraits that are like all about playing with color. That are they just have such a, a, a such a mood and such a feel to them. And I, I think it's it's so it's so easy to ignore the visual arts. I feel like with so much in the world, but take a moment, live with something that is more abstract and ambiguous and, uh, and see what, what it stirs in you and what it opens up in your brain. Fantastic recommendation. I'm looking at Kent Meister's uh, website right now. It's, it's beautiful, lovely stuff. Very, very cool. Great recommendation. Uh, Christian Spicer. How about you? You got a parting gift? I certainly do. If you haven't watched them live, or maybe you've fallen off the boat of the CW Superverse Arrowverse show, superhero shows, um, this year's big mashup crossover, Crisis on Infinite Earths, is wrapped now. There was like a two-month hiatus, I think, it was between like episodes three and then before four and five. Um, but I think as of recording, I think they are still free on the CW online or the CW app if you have that and don't have cable or another way to watch it, or I, I know you can buy the individual episodes on like Amazon or iTunes or 
Apple TV, I guess it's called now. I don't know. Those digital marketplaces. But man, I'm not going to pretend that these CW shows are not what they've always been. They still are. And and they're very good at being what they are. Um, but these big team ups, I think, are so fun and just like just a hoot and good time. And this year's Christ on Infinite Earths is so incredibly well done in terms of like little nods and cameos and this and that and this character playing that character and all that stuff that you want to see in these things. They they do it so expertly. Um, I highly recommend it. It's five hours of just superhero good times done the way that I think only CW and the Arrowverse can. So check them out. There's plenty of ways to watch them and it's very self-contained. So if you haven't watched the Arrowverse in a long time, you're not missing anything. If you have superhero knowledge, you'll you'll get it and you'll be on board and you'll have fun with it. It's uh, old characters coming back, playing their roles again from other shows and the way they connect everything. It's it's really, really fun. Awesome. Very cool. All right. We got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes from Carrie Haddon. He sent or she sent this to uh, I think it's a, he uh, sent it to DLC feedback at gmail.com. Uh, Carrie writes, Hey guys, I have a musical parting gift that I think everybody can get something out of. Uh, there's a singer I've been following for years now since he was 17 named Danny Warsnop. Warsnop? I think it's Warsnop. Uh, I first heard of him in his metalcore band called Asking Alexandria, but he has since released multiple solo albums that are very bluesy and jazzy. He's a phenomenal musician and has more soul than anybody I've ever heard before. His latest album, Shades of Blue, is truly magnificent, and I think everybody can enjoy at least a song or two from it. Uh, so that is Asking Alexandria by Danny Warsop. Uh, and uh, so his solo albums, Danny Warsop. I also have to read this sec- second part because I can't help myself. He says, uh, also, if anybody listening to DLC hasn't tried listening to or watching The Dungeon Run yet, you really should because it is awesome, all in caps. If you like the man with two N's and one T, you're going to fall even deeper in love with him after hearing all of his intense storytelling and wacky voices. The rest of the cast is wonderful, and the show brings so much joy to my life. Humankind be both. Thank you, Carrie. Oh, my gosh. That makes me feel so good. I appreciate it. And I, I had to read that part uh, because that's just I can't resist. Thank you very much, Carrie, for saying that. Uh, Wait, right. What's this last part? Uh, Christian was right about cyberpunk. Blew my mind. He's so good. Oh, wow. Okay. I had to read that <laughs> part. It does seem weird having not yet heard the beginning of this episode. <laughs> but, uh, uh, my parting gift, as I mentioned, uh, we will be talking about Little Women on the Slash Filmcast this week. But I, in case you don't listen to that show, I, I need to tell you about the Little Women. What a movie. Uh, my goodness. It is beautiful. And um, not a story I was familiar with. I somehow managed to get through uh, high school and college without ever reading little women uh, and uh, never really even seeing a a film adaptation up to this point, but my goodness, this one is quite good. Um, So I know it's hard to find in theaters at this point because it's sort of already gone away, but if you have a chance to go see little women, don't think it's not for you because it is lovely. And it really is a movie about, life. <laughs> it's really, really a lovely film, um, with great performances all around. Uh, sure. Sharonin is just something special. Um, and, uh, I highly recommend it. Little women go see it in theaters, see it with somebody you love because it's, uh, it's beautiful. 
Just as a quick warning to people who are freelance writers, there is a scene where one of the characters gets something published and you will quickly realize that being a freelance writer, you still make as much as freelance writers did uh, (laughs) during the reconstruction. So funny, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, that's the same rate. It's Yeah, that that rate hasn't changed. Weird. There's a beautiful sort of like uh, rallying call to like, you know, keeping the rights to things that happens in this movie, which is pretty neat. Um. Anyway, great movie, and it's it really is about art and creation and what's important in life. Man, I just I really liked it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Richard Lovejoy and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us live and making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. And thank you to each and every one of you who downloads the show and listens to us. Boy, we're grateful. Uh, Thanks so much. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.